In Exodus chapter 2, verse uh, 23, man, I'm excited about this message, and uh, I hope you have some ears to hear, because I, I, I believe there's more answers in what I'm getting ready to teach um, than, than people understand. And so the enemy would love for you to tune out and miss, miss this moment. Um, but God's going to help us today. Fresno, you're looking really good over there. I see you. Those on you, our YouTube channel, I got some text messages earlier. There were, the people are watching the first service. We see you. Put your clothes on. You look better with clothes. So. Madeira, we see you. We're so grateful. In this moment together, hundreds, thousands of people perhaps are tuning in for God to speak to their, their hearts. Exodus 2, very familiar story. We read very, uh, uh, several verses here to kind of lay the foundation. It says, After a long time passed, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites still groaned because they were slaves. Now notice this. So they cried out, and their cries for help went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the Israelites being oppressed and he was concerned about them. Now, there's going to come a shift here. We're not, we're not, we're not removing any verses. It goes directly into chapter 3, verse 1. So God's talking about a people, but now he's going to shift and talk about Moses. Verse 1 says, Moses was taking care of the sheep of, the, of his father-in-law Jethro and the priest, the priest of Midian. And as he led the sheep to the far side of the desert, he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the messenger of the Lord appeared to him. There is flames of fire coming out of a bush. Moses looked, and although the bush was on fire, it was not burning up. So he thought, why isn't this bush burning up? I must go over there and see this strange sight. That's where I'd be running away. Verse 4 said, when the Lord saw that Moses had come over to see it, God called to him from the bush. I certainly would run then. Moses! Moses, Moses answered, here I am. And God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because this place where you are standing is holy ground. And I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face be because he was afraid to look at God. And God's going to get down to business why he's showing up to Moses in the desert. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers. And I know how much they're suffering. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand and power of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey. I like this part, a land of plenty. Now notice verse 9, I have heard, God, God mentions it again. I have heard the cry of the people of Israel. And I've seen how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now catch this. I love this. So God says to Moses, now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you can bring my people Israel out of Egypt. Uh, many of us are familiar with this story. Um, if you're not familiar with the story, you've never read out of the Bible. Perhaps you've seen the movie. Um, but, but most of us know that that God's people have been in slavery for some 400 years. 
And uh, in the text, in the narrative, we can see that they are praying and crying out to God. God hears their prayer. And then God responds to a man by the name of Moses in the desert. And God uses Moses as the deliverer to go to Pharaoh. And you know, the 10 plagues happen and Pharaoh finally lets God's people go. And now they're on their way, some 2 million people on their way to the promised land, a land of plenty. And this is what I really want you to catch. As they leave captivity, the Bible is very specific and says this about these two, some, some, some 2 million people. As, as they are released from slavery, the Bible says this, as they left that place, that there was not one sick person among them. Some 2 million people. God not only delivered them out of slavery, but he delivered them out of sickness and disease. Not one sick among them. You ought to get excited about that. That's the kind of God we serve. Not only that, the Bible says that they plundered the Egyptians and took the wealth. So they actually left Egypt wealthy and healthy. I'm telling you, that's the way to come out of some problems, to come out of some struggles. That's God's purpose and desire for our lives. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I'm asking for your help to communicate, to articulate the heart of heaven. God, in this moment. For the people of celebration, God, I, I so value, God, the people that have, that have prioritized their life, God, that are in this moment. God, would you speak to us? Would you help us? God, you know the situations, you know, you know the, 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 the questions that people are asking. God, would you do what you can only do in this moment? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One more time, if you're in love with Jesus, come on, somebody shout. Somebody clap. You're going to help me preach today? Come on. I love response. I love response. I, I want to talk around this, this thought today, and, and that, that is this. Uh, never give up on prayer. Never, ever, never give up. On prayer. I can tell by your response you're excited about what your pastor has for you today. But I am telling you, it really is some answers to the things that we've been asking God. And I ask you for the next few moments, would you please hear me out? Because I believe that I am delivering the news of heaven for you today at every campus. Uh, Probably the most neglected opportunities that God has ever given to his people is the wonderful opportunity to pray. My, my hope today is that you would be inspired to the potential and the power of a prayer life. Uh, that prayer would actually find its place in your life and that prayer would become a priority for your life. Let's just go ahead and, and define our terms so we know what we're talking about when we talk about prayer because there is some real funny ideas uh, when it comes to prayer, especially in the church. But let's make it really simple, really elementary, so we can just be all on the same page. Truly, the definition of prayer is just simply you talking to God from your heart. It's not King James ver Version or verbiage. It's not the these and the thous. Prayer is when you literally take your heart 
and you communicate with your God. It's, it's, it's God talk. It's, it's, it's a conversation with, with, with God that comes right from who you are, the real you. So it's not some, some, some liturgy. We're not quoting things. We're not memorizing things. That's not prayer. That's, that's not Bible prayer. That's, that's, that's church religious patterns and methods. Prayer is when you open your heart and you talk to God like you would talk to anybody else. It is a conversation. It is a conversation with God. God's whole desire and intent for prayer is that you live a lifestyle of ongoing conversation with him. Uh, why pray? Is it really that big of a deal? And for most, the truth is we don't pray because the truth of the matter is, is we really don't think prayer makes a difference. If we really, truly believe that prayer changes things, uh, the fact is we would pray more. If we really believe that 10 minutes of, of, of talking with God would, be, would do more for us than 10 minutes of social media, hello, somebody, uh, we would do it. We, we would pray. But again, most, most don't believe or think that prayer really, really matters. The, the truth of it is, uh, for most of us, if we can be real, because that's what prayer is, is you being real. Uh, for, for most of us, uh, prayer is not a very exciting thing to even talk about, think about. And that's the reason why nobody was shouting. And nobody was cheering and nobody was getting excited when I said, hey, we're going to talk about prayer today. Because the truth of the matter is, if we really would be honest in church, we just don't think it's that exciting. It's quiet in this church today, right? Huh? But the truth is, once you understand the potential of prayer and the power of prayer, I'm here to tell you, prayer becomes very, very, very exciting for the believer. And the reason why is because prayer is how we actually connect to God. I'm talking about the God that can actually fix your problems before you ever get out of this service. That, that's how we connect with God is through prayer. The, the, the God that has a destiny, the God that has, that has a satisfying life for you, an abundant life for you. That's how we connect to him is through conversation with him from our, from our heart. Um, you know, what really, really, um, amazes me is, is, is the great importance that Jesus himself uh, placed upon prayer. And, and I want to talk about that as we build this foundation for a moment. I want to talk about the importance Jesus placed upon prayer. And then we'll get back to the story there in Exodus. In Luke 18, 1, notice what Jesus tells his disciples about prayer one day. 18, 1, Luke. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should Always pray and never give up. Never give up on what? Prayer. So Jesus is saying here, don't you ever give up on the idea of prayer. Come on, how many Christ followers do we have here today? Jesus is saying, Jesus looked at his disciples 
And he's telling them, he's telling them that you need to always pray. Now, now what he means by that is just be consistent. Make it a priority. You're, you're not going to be able to pray 24-7, but you can make it a priority in your life. You can become consistent in a conversation instead of ignoring and acting like God doesn't exist. You can actually bring him into your life and start talking with him. Hello? And, and Jesus says, Jesus says, that you should always pray and never give up on prayer. Now, now, now he, he goes and he then tells a story to help, kind of help drive the point on. And he talks about a woman who needed justice in her life. She was in a difficult situation. She needed help. And so she goes before the judge to get help. And she just never, ever, ever, never, you can read the story later on, she never quits and she never gets gives up until she gets her help. And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Just like this woman who would not give up, who persistently and consistently went after her help, Jesus is saying, this is the way you need to see prayer. That, that, that you need to pray and never give up on the idea of prayer. Jesus is saying, this is the kind of importance that you need to place upon prayer. Now, now our tendency is, is to just live our lives without prayer. But Jesus is saying, don't ever, don't, don't ever, ever, never, ever give up on praying. Jesus is saying, don't you ever think that prayer isn't important. Don't, don't you ever think that prayer is not necessary. Jesus is saying, don't you ever believe the lie that prayer is a waste of time. This woman, here's what I want you to catch. This woman's situation in this story was turned around because she absolutely would not quit. And Jesus is saying to you today at all of our campuses that your situations can be turned around if you just won't quit on prayer. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your situation. I don't know your struggle. I don't know your issue. I don't know your pain. But the truth of the matter is we're all living life and we all have, all have issues that we need help. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to, I'm here to encourage you. Have you considered the power of prayer? Have you considered praying and not giving up on prayer until God shows up and turns your situation around? That's what prayer is all about. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Don't you ever for a moment think that prayer doesn't work. Never quit on prayer. Why would Jesus himself tell us to pray if prayer doesn't work? If prayer doesn't change things, then why would Jesus tell us to do it? Again, have you considered the thought, why did Jesus himself pray? Did you know the Bible talks uh, uh, more about Jesus' life, arguably more than any other characteristic. He talks about Jesus' prayer life, the characteristics of his prayer life. And, and I want to go through just a bit of that because, because, because Jesus is God. Why would God need to pray? It's, 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 it's absolutely incredible when you look through the Gospels uh, about what the, the Bible says concerning Jesus' prayer life. Again, arguably, there's, there, there's no, no other characteristic that the Bible talks about like it does his prayer life. And he's God. But what you need to understand is when Jesus came to this earth, the Bible says that he laid down his divinity and put on his humanity so that he could become 
our Savior. So as a human for three and a half years, as he ministered, Jesus needed the help. Jesus needed the guidance. Jesus needed the empowerment of the Father God. Remember, Jesus in John 5, 19 said this. He said this, of myself, I can do nothing. He says, and I can only do what I do because I see the Father doing it or I hear the Father saying it. So what Jesus teaches us is that everything that he actually did in his earthly ministry, he did it out of a relationship with his Father, out of a relationship of conversation, prayer with his Father. Jesus says, I can't do what I do because of me. I'm doing what I do. Every miracle that you see, every breakthrough that I'm released, I'm doing it because I'm in prayer. I'm in conversation with my Father. And then I just go do what I see and I go do what I hear. It's amazing. It's amazing the lifestyle of prayer in the life of Jesus. Jesus' prayer life is mentioned over and over and over again. I don't know if you've considered this, but let me take just a moment to drive again this point. Jesus would often pray, the Bible says, in the morning. In Mark 1.35, look what it says here. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. The Bible says Jesus, Jesus sometimes would pray at night. Look at Matthew 14.23. He went up into the hills by himself to pray and night fell while he was there alone. So Jesus not only prayed in the morning, Jesus prayed at night. But the Bible says that sometimes Jesus would pray all night long. Luke six twelve said he spent all night in prayer to God. Again, throughout all the gospels, you'll find that the Bible says that Jesus would pray throughout the day. For all kinds of situations. Jesus prayed before he was baptized. Jesus prayed before launching his public ministry. Jesus prayed before traveling to minister. Jesus prayed, the Bible says, before he chose his 12 disciples. Maybe that's a good thought. Before we choose our friends. Better yet, before we chose that spouse. Huh? See, see, I'm trying to build the case. If you was to read the Gospels... This, this is what you would read about Jesus' prayer life. Jesus prayed before important events in his life. Jesus prayed before great achievements. Jesus prayed before great temptations. Jesus prayed before he ate. Hello? Did you know the Bible says that you should pray before you eat? That, that God would bless your bread and water and remove sickness far from you? That's a good thing to do. The Bible says in the Gospels that Jesus prayed in the midst of persecution, that Jesus prayed when he actually would get tired and weary. That's not when we think we should pray, right? Jesus prayed, the Bible teaches us, when he would get unusually busy. That's usually when we say, I ain't got time to pray. But that's when Jesus would begin to have conversation and don't, don't, don't listen, don't, don't read into this something that I'm not saying. He had conversation. That doesn't mean an hour, but, but Jesus just lived a lifestyle of, of, of talking from his heart to his, to his father. The Bible teaches us that Jesus prayed in the last moments of his life, that Jesus prayed before he was crucified. The Bible says that Jesus right now is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Guess what Jesus is doing right now? He's praying on behalf of you. 
The Bible says he ever intercedes. Come on for us. I mean, Jesus believes in this prayer stuff. The Bible says that Jesus prayed by himself, that Jesus prayed with just a few people. The Bible says that Jesus prayed with a great multitude of people. The Bible says that Jesus prayed for himself. The Bible says that Jesus prayed for others. The Bible says that Jesus would even pray for his, listen, his enemies. When's the last time you prayed for that knucklehead? Huh? When's the last time you prayed for your neighbor whose dog keeps pooping all oh, dear Jesus? Jesus prayed for his name. The Bible says that Jesus prayed on his knees. I'm just trying to keep, this is all in the gospels. Jesus prayed on his knees. Jesus prayed stretch out on the ground that Jesus prayed with his face before God. Jesus prayed while walking. Jesus prayed with his eyes closed. Jesus prayed with his eyes open. Why would the Bible teach us and tell us all about these characteristics about Jesus's prayer life? Because prayer is important. Jesus prayed earnestly and persistently. Jesus prayed with tears. Jesus prayed, the Bible says, with loud cries. Jesus prayed with a whisper. Jesus prayed with short prayers. And Jesus even prayed long prayers. The bottom line is what I'm trying to get you to see is that prayer was just a part of Jesus is life. So, so here's my question for us today. If Jesus on the earth needed to pray, hello, all the campuses, YouTube, if, if, if Jesus on the earth needed to pray, here's the question. Do you think there might be a possibility that, that we need to pray? Could, could, could it be, could it be a maybe? Could, could, could it be a possibility? The Bible says in Matthew 21, it gives us some insight while, why Jesus was so passionate about prayer. And I think if you can see the passion, I think it might, it might, um, it might encourage you. It might stir you to begin to talk to God. And in Matthew 21, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Get the picture here. Jesus comes in Jerusalem, has right for the temple, the church of their day. He goes in there and he sees the abuse that is going on in the temple, things that should not be happening In the temple, priorities were wrong in the temple. And Jesus messes up the order. He says, because you guys have the order wrong. He says, my house shall be a house of prayer. Jesus says, that's the order. And he says, what you're doing is is you've made my house a den of thieves. In other words, there's thievery going on. Well, what does that mean? The Bible helps us to see it in verse 14. Then somebody shout then come on. All of our campuses shout then, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. I got to get you to see this progression. Notice Jesus goes into the temple and he sets it in order. He says, this house is out of order. It doesn't have its priorities right. What we need to do is get prayer back into the driver's seat. We we need to make this a place of 
a prayer. And the moment he made it a place of prayer, the Bible says, then the Bible says, then the Bible says, then the power of God showed up and began to heal the people. How many of you want the power of God? The way we get the power of God is to get the priority of God. Now, listen, he's not talking about a building because we're New Testament believers. The Bible says Jesus no longer dwells in buildings like this, but Jesus dwells in this building. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the building of God. And what God is doing is coming in and he's saying there's some things out of order. But if we can get them back in order and you can become a place of prayer, then I can make it a place of power. I can turn things around in your life. Notice the progression. If we'll pray, then power will be released. If we'll pray... If we'll have a life of prayer, then your life will have God's power in it. And it's God's power that turns things around in your life. Why pray? Why was Jesus so passionate about it? Why is it that we need to be so passionate about it? Because when we pray... When we talk to God, when we begin to have conversation with God from our heart, it releases God's power to heal what needs to be healed, to deliver what needs to be delivered, to turn. Does anybody have any situations? Come on. Does anybody need some God help? God says it all starts with the priority of placing importance on prayer. The thing the very thing that the church is ignoring to do. It's one of the greatest opportunities that God has ever given to humanity. And yet we neglect it. And God is saying, if you put your house back in order, I'll release power in your life. Now, now we got a Super Bowl getting ready to happen, so I can't teach the whole Bible. I, I, I tried to, and, and I had to cut half of my notes out because you can go from, from, from book to book, chapter to chapter, and I can prove to you that when you pray, God's power is released. That's why Jesus was so passionate. But let me just show you a couple, and then we'll wrap this up. Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and ignore prayer. No. Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then somebody shout then. Notice the progression. God says, if it's almost like I know they won't, but if they ever decide to get this thing right, if they'll pray, then notice what God says. Then he says, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Does anybody need some healing? Come on, anybody need some healing in their body, healing in their marriage, healing in their relationship? Come on, anybody use some healing in their money? God says, this is how it happens. I I, I need you to become a place of prayer because when you become a place of prayer, then my power is released to turn the situation around. The progression again is first prayer, then God's power. I, I realize this. This yesterday when I was thinking about working this message and putting it together, I was actually right here in this, this, this point. 
And all of a sudden, my power went out at my house, and I'm in my office, and I'm only halfway through, and I, it's like, oh, no, I didn't save. Oh, and I cussed a few times, and and <laughs> wish we could just be honest in church. All right. I didn't do that, I guess. But anyhow, the power went out, and I hadn't saved my work. <laughs> Am I the only knucklehead that's ever done that? Three people, just, just me and three people. The rest of you are Jesus' cousins, right? Perfect, yeah. And so I, I kind of panicked, but then I looked up out of my window and noticed that a car down on the frontage road had gone off the road and hit a power pole. thing exploded. Craziness. And so, so for the next 30 minutes, I looked out my window and began to pray that that person would not die, but they, they would live. I began to pray for somebody I didn't even know. And after I got done with prayer and felt like I had, I had done my assignment in heaven, then I went back and I began to panic because I realized, I realized the power's out and I don't know how much of my message that I've lost. So I, I went to find my wife and I, I said to her, I found her where she was doing what she usually does. Whew, glory to God. Almost got distracted thinking about my wife right there. And I said this to my wife. I said, if I have no power, I can't do this. If I have no power, I can't do this. And then I thought it came to me. That's exactly what I'm trying to communicate to you today, to all of our campuses. If we have no power, we can't do this thing called life. Come on, we're going to have to have God's power. We're going to have to have God's ability because how many of you know life just brings stuff and we need his power to turn things. Come on, somebody say it with me. I can't do this thing without God's power. Say it with me. See, I can't do this thing without God's power. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's why we're talking about prayer because prayer releases power. Notice Jeremiah 29 verse 12. Here's another verse that just again supports the thought, this truth, that when you pray, the progression, God's power is released in your life. No wonder why the enemy has lied to you and tell you it doesn't matter. Notice what it says here. When you call on me, God says, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. And when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. Does that sound like? The priority thing? Does that sound like Jesus coming into the house, coming into the temple? Say, hey, you guys have got it all, all wrong if you'll make your priorities right. If you'll, if you'll seek me more than anything else. See, see, God doesn't have an issue with all the other stuff that you're doing. He just has an issue with it being first in your life. God's not mad at your, your time that you're spending with social media. He just wants his time and he wants it to be first. Why? Because he can help you. It says, it says, when you want it more than anything else, verse 14, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree, I'll turn things around for you. I'll turn things around. Can't do this without the power. Oh, I don't know about you. I got some things I need God to turn around in 2019. Can't do this. 
I can't do this without the power of God. And the progression is, if you want the power, then you've got to become a place of prayer. You've got to have conversation with God from your heart to his heart. If I pray, then God's power is released to turn things around. And now we come back to our opening story in Exodus where God, where God delivers some two million people. God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses and they march out of that place to their promised land. They're healthy and they're wealthy, experiencing God turning a situation around for them. And what I like about the book of Exodus is that Exodus, catch this, means exit. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, did, did you get that? It means exit. So, so, so the book of Exodus is all about, got to get this, is all about exits. So if you need an exit in your life, what you need to do is go read about the book of Exodus. Because you'll find out that there is a God who always provides an exit strategy for his people when they feel trapped. That that's what Exodus is all about. It's, it's just a strategy. It's just a book where a people are trapped or trapped in bondage or they're trapped in heartache. And, and Exodus is just about a God who gives a strategy to get out of what they're trapped in. So you need to know today, regardless how it looks in your life, that you serve a God, a God that will give you an exit out of every situation. God is a God who provides always a way out. Somebody in this place, maybe in Fresno, you need to get excited. Because you know what? The enemy thinks he's got you trapped. But the truth of the matter is we serve a God of Exodus. Uh, Exodus. We serve a God that will make a way where there seems to be no way. We serve a God that can get you out of what you're trapped in. And that's exactly what is happening with these people. So this book of Exodus tells us that for generation after generation, for 400 years, they have been in bondage. The oppression of Pharaoh. They've had nothing but heartaches. They've had nothing but pain. They've had nothing but struggle. Nothing but captivity for over 400 years. How many of you would agree they need an exit? They need to get out. Try to help somebody. And this is what you need to hear today. Listen, they did not get out. They did not get their exit. They did not find their way of escape until they asked God for it. They did not get out until they began to cry out to God. Are you listening? Listen, they did not get out of their situation until they made a decision to begin to pray. God is a God of exits. God is a God that will make a way where there seems to be no way. But you don't get out until you open your mouth and cry out and pray and start talking to God. 
that that's the strategy you need to hear. God is a God of access, but for God to turn a situation around, He needs you to pray. He needs you to get involved in the process for 400 years. I don't know if it's making impact. For 400 years, they are slaves and nothing happens in the story, in the text until they begin to cry out to God for help. Why? Because God will allow you to live on whatever level you settle for. You see, if you want to settle for bondage, Instead of possess your promised land, God will let you. But if you're tired of your bondage, come on, if you're tired of your struggle, come on, if you're tired of, of, of the captivity, come on, all you got to do is you got to cry out because he's a God of exits. So it was when they began to cry out in Exodus 2, 2 verse 23. Notice it again. So they cried out. And their cries for help went up to God. They finally cried. After 400 years, they said, we're tired of this. And they cried out. And their cries for help went up to God. I'm almost done. But this is where it gets really crazy. This this is, is going to help us to understand why so many of us, why we don't want to pray or we don't pray. What's so crazy is the Bible says they begin to cry out to God. And God doesn't even respond to them. You read it in the story. It was like there was a shift, remember? They're crying out to God and God shifts to the desert. God shifts to, to a burning bush. God shifts to, to, to a man by the name of Moses. They cry out and God does not even respond to them. So it doesn't seem like to them God even cares. To them, it doesn't seem like God is even listening to them. And isn't that the reason why we don't pray? We cry out and it seems like God's not even listening. It seems like God doesn't even care. But what they didn't know is that when they were talking to God, God was talking to Moses. Oh, Jesus. Now, that's better than your shout. Did you get... They were talking to God, and God shows up and begins to talk to their deliverer. God begins to talk to their answer. God begins to talk to the one that's going to make a way where there is no... God begins to talk to a man where he's going to put a rod in his hand, and he's going to go deal with their Pharaoh. They're talking to God, and God's talking to their deliverer. Hear me today. You've got to hear it at all our campuses They feel ignored while God is busy working on the answer. They're feeling like maybe this prayer stuff doesn't even work while God is working on their behalf. Listen, just because God's not talking to you about the problem doesn't mean He is not working on the problem. Hello? Sometimes God's not talking to you because God's talking to your Moses. God's talking to your answer. God's talking. Oh, Jesus, come on. Come on. That's why the reason why Jesus says you ought to pray and never quit praying. Just because you don't get the response you think you're going to get. I'm here to tell you, if you'll cry out, I'll start dealing with the answer. I'll start dealing with the deliverance. 
God never responds to them. Read it in the story. The next thing they know, they're crying out. And the only way that they knew God was answering their problem is Moses shows up one day and says, Hey, all, we're out of here. That's what happened. I'm here to lead you out of here. I'm your deliverer. They didn't even know it until days later when Moses actually showed up. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying that if you cry out, you may not get the response you think you need. You may not feel like God's working on it, but I'm here to tell you, while you're praying, God's working. While you're praying, God's dealing with the problem. Come on, God is working on the answer. Come on, you talk to God about the problem, and God may not be talking to you about the problem, but I can guarantee you God is working on an answer to fix your problem, to turn, come on somebody, to turn, to turn your situation around. Why? Because if we'll pray, the progression is power is released. Power is released. So I've come to tell somebody today, that if you'll, you'll pray, if you won't quit on prayer, all of a sudden, the answer is going to show up and tell your Pharaoh, let my people go. Come on, did you hear it today? Come on, did you get it today? Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, somebody celebrate the fact at all of our campuses. Come on, if you'll keep praying. Come on, if you refuse to quit on prayer, if you refuse to believe the lies of the enemy and you'll keep praying and you won't quit on prayer, I'm here to tell you all of a sudden you'll wake up in the moment and your Moses will be there. Come on. Your deliverer will be there. Your answer will be there. Father, I thank you today at all of our campuses. And Father, we'll, we'll take this truth. Father, we'll make the adjustments and the priorities that need to change in our life, that, that our lives will become a life of prayer. God, help us today. Speak to our hearts, God, that we might know what that looks like. God, not a religious system, not rules and regulations, but God, truly just a genuine passion to put you first, to talk with you, to make you big, in our lives. God, let our lives be the house of prayer so that you can release the power to turn every situation around. And God, may we never believe the lies just because you're not responding the way we think you should. May we never believe the lies that, Father, just because you're not answering the way we think you should answer, that you're not working on the problems and the issues and the situations that we cry out to you about God may a shift come in this church of 2019 to prioritize the most awesome opportunity that you've ever given to humanity and that is to pray and never ever quit on praying in Jesus name amen I'm going to ask you to just I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads close your eyes at all of our campuses Wow, if you're here today, don't have a relationship with Jesus. Before we let you out of here, please, nobody leaving. Honor these moments as we close this up. We're going to be receiving an offering in just a moment. Biggest part of what we do.
We're going to honor God with our giving. But if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, isn't it amazing that the Bible says the way you have a relationship with Jesus is that you have to cry out. The Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't it interesting? It takes a conversation with God to have eternal life. Don't let the enemy ever talk you out of the opportunity that God has given you to open your mouth and talk with him. If you'll pray, power is released. And if you're here today or at one of our campuses or watching online, the Bible is very clear. If you're ready to surrender your life, if you're ready to let Jesus take the reins of your life, if you want to know that eternity is set for you, that, 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 that if you breathe your last breath here on earth, that you would spend eternity with God in heaven. If you want to make that decision today, the Bible says all you got to do is cry out. So here in, in Clovis, there in Fresno online, whatever campus you're at, would you just pray this prayer? And for those that need to pray this prayer for the first time or the hundredth time, the, the only requirement is that you pray with all your guts. You've got to mean what you're saying. It's got to be real. It's not phony. It's not, it's not fake. If you'll give God your heart and conversation, God will... <laughs> God will heal your life. Say this to me. Say, Father God, come on. If you need to pray this prayer and those that, that, that are just here at church at all of our kids, would you just pray it out loud? Just like you're going to shout, pray loud, talk loud at the game. Day. Would you just pray it out? Say, Father God, today I give you my life. I surrender my life to Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Restore and redeem me. Father, with your help, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer. Thank you for every person that prayed that prayer at every campus. God, their life has been transformed by the power of God forever because they simply cried out to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give it up for all those. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.